All right, excited about today's episode. We dig into something. It's almost like a bad word sometimes. Hang on, I'm going to whisper it. Make sure there's no kids around. Ear Muffet. Ear Muffet. We're going to talk about modalities. What? Modalities? Uh, we're talking about modalities in general with our guests, but we're going to get into some specifics talking about percussion and vibration. And I loved a few parts of this conversation with our guest today, Lewis, who said, listen, a lot of your patients, a lot of population, a lot of public, they're using these things right now, whether or not you are poo-pooing them or championing them. So maybe be a little bit educated about them. And we're going to do that. He's dug into the research. We get to learn from Lewis because he's done the, he's done the hard work. Um, but he also says, be, be skeptical about these things and be knowledgeable. So the Hypervolt, they got a, a plethora of rehab toys, accoutrements, professional devices, equipment. You see them everywhere. They're one of many providers in, uh, of these type of devices. Uh, but these guys are heavily invested in what's the research behind this. We wanted to dig into it for you, much like we're digging into tissue. You know, you can use your fingers, you can get deep in there. Or you maybe use a device. When should you do this? When should you do that? We dig into that in this episode. So excited to bring you that information uh, and give you some info there. Uh, thanks to our friends at MW Therapy. It's time for a better EMR. Time for something customizable. It's 2022, people. If your EMR is not customizable, what's going on there? It should be working for you, not the other way around. Uh, MW Therapy delivers a modern all-in-one outpatient EMR at a great value. Find them online at uh, mwtherapy.com or switching your EMR is easy. Uh, also, our friends at CBDRX4U, that's getsunmed.com, your CBD store. Get the ABCs of CBD at their website, cbdrx4u.com. Without further ado, let's get to the bottom of this percussion and vibration thing here on PT Pinecast. Uh, Lewis on the show. Lewis, welcome to the program, my friend. Appreciate you having me. Couple of New Yorkers on the show. Uh, we're going to get into an area I don't think we've I don't think we've dived into enough on the show, and we bring you on to sort of be our uh, our Yoda of this, or a little bit of our our tour guide. Uh, Lewis, how do how do you introduce yourself? What are the different? You do a lot of different things. I feel like it's hard. We can't lock you down. We can't lock Lewis down. So. How do you introduce? How do you explain to other PTs what you do? So I kind of just say I'm a you know physical therapist focused in the in the area of sports. I uh, was fortunate to do a fellowship training um, specifically in you know kind of all sports, but more of a focus on shoulder, elbow, and knee rehab. But uh, you know, in an introduction, I'm Lewis. I'm a PT, and I focus on on sports and athletics, whatever that means to the to the person that I'm treating. I like that open ended. Now, where'd you do that fellowship? This was kind of cool. I want. I'm going to tee you up for that one. Sounds good. Yeah. So I was uh, fortunate to do my fellowship um, down at the Andrew Sports Medicine uh, Group in Birmingham, Alabama, with an affiliate with the American Sports Medicine Institute under the uh, guidance and mentorship from Dr. Kevin Wilk. That's pretty. That's pretty. Um. That's pretty legit. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely legit while there, to say the least. A lot of work, yeah. but uh, well worth it in the long run. All right. Well, we get the uh, we get the tough questions out of the way first, Lewis. What are we drinking today? What's on tap? We have got a good old old fashioned on tap for the night. Nothing really? And what do you, 
what do you make it in that? What's your what's your specialty? I, I I started getting into old fashions about two years ago. So what do you put in it? So I put a little bit of bitters. I like a good bourbon, and then I actually I put in like a little little bit of of some some good Vermont maple syrup to give it a little bit of sweetness to it. So you don't do simple syrup. You do maple syrup. You do a little bit of maple syrup instead of simple where, syrup. Where did you pick that up? Because that I mean, or is that like, hey, let's throw this against the wall? Much like any good idea, it's kind of when you're left uh, back against the wall and need to figure out when you're when you don't quite have the simple syrup and you see maple, try it out and it's sort of stuck. It's got the word syrup in it. It might work. I'm gonna have to exactly. give that a shot. That's not bad, man. Maple yeah, syrup. Yeah. Not haven't heard that. What's your bourbon of choice? What do you like? I like either blends, but uh, I'll go with a uh, bullet as well just to keep it easy. That's what I got into when we started having old fashions. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to thank Rich Westrick, who is a federal PT guy and a tactical athlete guy. He got me into old fashions. He's like, "You're gonna love this. You're gonna love this." And then they introduced me to Manhattan's, which is a story I cannot tell on the show. And then I needed to come back down. To old <laughs> fashions. I was like, "Manhattan's are no good. It's liquor with liquor and then more liquor." I like your maple syrup. It makes me feel like breakfast. I'm keeping it simple. We're going Stella on tap. So, Lewis, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming uh, coming by. Cheers. Appreciate it. Thank you, Sam, for having me. Our uh, our friends at Owens Recovery Science bringing you the first round, a single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training, BFR, as the cool kids are calling it. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. Plus, they have their own great podcast that goes real deep into BFR whenever they release those episodes. Uh, it is called the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. All right, so, Lewis, we bring you on because of the topic of discussion this uh, this month is a little bit of modalities, or we're looking into uh, some things that complement uh, PT care. And we'll start with like, I mean, I wanted to start with like a broad topic of recovery tools or modalities in sports medicine and see where we went from there. And then we'll get specific into a couple different types that you employ. And, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about some specifics. But when you're, when you, maybe if you got a student in clinic or you're explaining this to patients or you're talking to a colleague, and the idea of modalities comes up, where, do, where does your brain go? Or how do you start that conversation? So I think, I think modalities kind of goes these two routes, right? One is, you know, what does the actual science say? Um, you know, we want to be as evidence-based as we can. And, you know, I think that's always, always beneficial. But, you know, I think when you're dealing with an athlete or someone who's looking to get back, I think that we, we sometimes get too far down this rabbit hole of evidence base and we sort of forget about the, the placebo aspect. And I think that in sports, it's, it's almost just as beneficial, you know, you know, do I always believe in the modality that the individual likes? No, but if they're telling me, Hey, I like this, I've used it before. I feel X amount better after using it. What am I doing by saying, no, the science doesn't support it? You know, I mean, I think there's, there's a mental aspect to it as well, where, you know, if there's a belief system there that I'm going to get better if I do this, sure, I'm right there with you and I'm fully on board and I believe you. So that's that's something I'm always open to expressing with my, you know, my athletes or the the individuals I'm working with. When it comes to communicating with a physician or a colleague or something, then yeah, we can start to go into the literature and try to understand how is this most supported, how is this most scientifically beneficial. Um so I think that there's been, you know, sort of this craze in, in recent years where there's so many new tools on the market and kind of how do you wrap your head around, you know, which one works, which one doesn't. And I think you have to sort of play around with each one and 
you know, sort of practice medicine in, in what we do, you know, practice, see what works, see who responds well to what. And I, I you know, you kind of figure out maybe this athlete does well with cupping, this athlete does well with rest, and this one does well with percussion, this one does well with needling. And you sort of, you know, put all those pieces together. It's kind of like exercise selection, right? You sort of know the objective at the end hand, but you can choose what you want to target your goal and get there in a different path. I was totally guilty. I think, especially when I was a student, you have sort of that Dunning-Kruger effect, right? I just learned so much in class. I actually, and then you start to use this phrase, which is never good. Well, actually, right? Like, it's like, it's like, well, that's probably what's going to come after that isn't great because it sounds like you're going to crap on someone's, you know, idea, not in a good way, right? Well, actually, there's no science behind, and who likes to, you know, I can go both ways. I see the, I see the pendulum, right? I pay attention mm-hmm. to the discussions. I get in, in the, what I do as I get to sort of sit in the middle and go, well, you got a point over here, but I also see this and I'm not going to tell you what's right or what's wrong, but let's, let's share. Cause the answer is typically, eh, it's a little bit of a mix of, of both of those things. And you laid it out pretty well in terms of if something works, I mean, this is also, it's brought up with manipulation, right? Well, you know, the, the, the research doesn't support this, that, other thing. If you do it with someone and, and it encourages them to move in a different way or they're, they're empowered for five minutes or 55 minutes or if they feel good for five days, would you not do it, right? So it feels like yeah. it feels like it's this thing that we're – if we're not 100% sure and we give it a shot, as long as we right stick to that do no harm idea, mm-hmm. why wouldn't we? Exactly. And and I think something that, that was preached to me during my, my fellowship was you always want to make the individual leave – feeling better right so we we get them in we challenge the heck out of them they you know during the process of their rehab session they're probably like you know why did i even come today this is terrible i have to exercise i don't want to do it you know they go through this this phase but if you can get them at the end with some sort of modality that gets them feeling better before they leave and they walk out saying "Hmm, when i came in i didn't you know maybe i felt an eight out of ten pain and now i'm at a six out of ten they're going to come back so to knock a modality that makes someone feel better like you say for whether it's five ten fifty minutes they feel better at the end of the day and they're going to then come see you and and believe in what you're doing now strictly patient or strictly strictly public when Mm -hmm. someone says hey you're using this this cupping device you're using this uh, thing looks like a butter knife this rastin thingy or we'll talk about we're going to get specifics with percussion uh, so what's this gun do? Can I, you know, what, what is it doing? Do you, how, how far down the rabbit hole do you go or do you leave it super open-ended? I mean, there's no right answer, but how do you, what do you say? Yeah, I think it always varies on the individual. You know, if you have a, uh, a physician that you're treating, you go into the science. If you have someone that just, you know, is a, is a lay layman's like individual and just wants to kind of talk, you know, is it going to make me feel better? Yeah, probably. I leave it at that. But if yeah. uh, you know, you kind of read the room, so to speak. Um, and I think it's it's kind of like anything. You know, there, there's instances where, you know, if you're explaining, you know, a surgical procedure that someone had, it's kind of the same thing. How much do you tell them went on? How much do you expose right. to them? Sometimes you can kind of talk too far into a hole, and now right. they're sort of skeptical versus they were, you know, okay and bought in exactly. Or even confused, right? There's a point when you get too right. deep where you're like, hey, listen, like I can explain more if you're comfortable with it. But like you said, you got to read the room. 
Um, and I think right where we are right now in this sort of like, well, this is what I do. Or this is how I discuss. By the way, most of what you just said or pretty much all was, was how it was impressed on me in terms of this is how you communicate. I thought it was good. I think that where the line gets weird or where some people get really fired up, especially on social media, is when you make promises that you is when you say this is the thing this will fix you. Right. And I feel like this goes back to like sixth grade. Uh, just good test taking procedure, right? When you see always or never, it's like, dude, it probably it's rarely those. It's rarely the edges, right? It's pro it's most of the time it's the middle. So you say, hey, I've had experience with patients who use this and they do really great. I've had some people with no effect, but here's the cool part. Uh, there's really no um, there's no there's no danger to making this worse, right? I don't know if somebody presented me with that. I don't. I don't know. I would say, well, this doesn't sound great. It sounds like, oh, some people who were similar to you had some really great results. Some people not so much. If you'd like to, I'd love to try it on you because I've had some good results with it. Exactly. And that's exactly how I present it. All right. So let's get specific with a, a, a modality we're going to talk about today. want to thank our friends from Hyperice for, for sort of hooking us up for this conversation. Uh, my friend Eric over there. Uh, we'll talk about percussion. I don't know if the you know massage guns or percussive devices were as pr i feel like they hockey sticked in term of me maybe it's what i'm clicking on on my my my, my social media feed but the 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 access to them or how how much in your face they are from a consumer and pt perspective it's in the last 2 years it's gone from a little bit to a whole lot so yeah. let's talk about the modality of percussion how do you have that conversation? Because I don't think percussion was talked about. That wasn't a modality that was discussed a lot in in my PT modalities program. I don't think so. No, it wasn't. I um, same same with myself, and and that's kind of what led me into, um, you know, diving into the literature just out of my own, um, sort of, um, just out of my own curiosity. You know, I was just like. You know, we never really learned about this. They're everywhere. People are in the gyms with them. People are in the clinics with them. You know, why am I using this versus my hands? And and what is what is the actual, you know, what is there to say about this? And to be quite frank, until maybe this past year, there wasn't too much. Most of the literature I found is really 2020, 2021. Um, and it sort of just speaks about that there's two kind of paths that you can go down with percussion. Most of us know that the main path is, you know, relaxation, um, potentially improving of range of motion and, and just calming tissues down, calming the nervous system down. But then there's actually the other side that's not as well known about, and that's actually enhancement of performance, um, which I was surprised to see. And it, and it varies based on, you know, the setting that you use and the duration that you use that setting for to actually stimulate the nervous system in one aspect of either calm it down or one aspect of turn it on. Right. So um, I think you can go down two sides and, and not too many people sort of know that distinction. Um, and I think it's important that you explain that to the individuals that you're treating, because if someone has this and they go to the gym and they start to use this either before or after exercise, they might be actually decreasing their performance when they think they're trying to ramp it up or vice versa. All right. So what does the re I mean, I think the obvious massage effect and this feels good from the consumer like that's you don't need to really explain that to anybody. Right. If you've picked right. up one of these things, it feels good. Then you can start to go a little deeper from the PT's perspective. Hey, but when you actually feel good, 
you relax a little bit. What you're doing now, you're affecting your nervous system in a good way. You might be able to relax. So let let's start. Let's not skip over anything. So what what are the different things you can manipulate with percussion? You speed. There's different shapes, nozzles. So just, I mean, give me the 101. You don't have to go too deep. Yeah. If you don't want. Yeah. So so in, when it comes to myself, in terms of the the nozzle or attachment that you put on, I think that's one based on comfort. Um, when it comes to the hyperized product, I like the either the round head or kind of the the softer head that has a little bit of rebound to it, just based on comfort alone. And then there's kind of three settings across most of these guns. The, the lowest being a lower frequency, the highest being a higher frequency. Frequency being number of kind of beats per beats second, we'll per say. Second. Right. So, um, you know, you can go down the relaxation route, which would be lower setting, longer duration. Longer duration being 30 plus, maybe even 60 seconds. And what you're actually doing is you're exciting this motor motored uh, neuron network so much so that you actually inhibit muscle spindle activity. So by exciting the muscle spindles so much, they sort of shut themselves off and you get into this like reflex latency period where they're sort of slowed down. Um, and that kind of increases Golgi tendon activation and allows for you to kind of get into that relaxation phase. On the flip side, if you go higher frequency, very short duration, you can actually cue into that motor neuron excitation and sort of stimulate it really quick, shut the device off, and you've actually amplified your nervous system to be ready to exercise. And you can actually increase force production um, in that shortened, shortened cycle. So it's gotta be pretty specific. Um, and again, that's just what some of the literature says, I, you know, that time frame may be um, you know, not necessarily a hard cutoff, but I, I try to keep it in, in that regard um, if I am looking to do more of an excitatory action. I don't think I've ever heard, had anybody explain it to me like that. You did it in like two minutes. But you can see where if someone is having, if someone's seeing you, if someone's at a PT, right, they're probably, they've been they've been dealing with an issue. I won't say, you know, we don't have to go into rabbit holes of what issues they are. But if they're mm -hmm. doing, if they just grab a gun and start at it, they could be, keeping themselves they could be inhibiting their chance to, to actually get to, to get better whatever better might be considered for them in their particular yeah i got this gun so what do you do hey you point it and you kind of let it rip well act you know this is where you, you want to do that well actually or i've seen better <laughs> here if you do it this way it's it's you know more than likely going to do this uh if you do it this way it's it's the opposite i don't think i knew that but you explaining it in 60 seconds made it made sense to me i don't i mean that's, you know, that's not clear I hope it. I hope it uh, makes sense to the masses as well. Yeah. Um, so, how much do you use it? And then my next question would be: Is this something good to give people like homework? Like, hey, if we're seeing success, is this someone I say, listen, uh, I'm. Uh, uh, it would be my prescription since if you want to continue this rehabilitation or performance enhancement for a couple hundred bucks, you feel good. You've you feel like you're moving better. We see some performance. Is this something you give people to take home with them? Yeah, I think I think nowadays most people have them. So you kind of have to sort of educate oh, them on it. You know, I, I mean, I think, you know, you use it with them once. They're like, this thing's awesome. Where do I get one? How do I get one? And, right you know, the phone, like, show me online. Where do I get Exactly. Exactly. Before I could even say anything, they're looking it up themselves. So I think it's imperative that you sort of put it on there. 
um, you know, on a home exercise program or in an email or however you educate your patients. Um, or even what I like to do is I take their phone and I say, here, we're going to we're going to have you do it. Um, I'll Shoot talk me. over it. You do it. And uh, we'll kind of explain why we're doing what we're doing. Right. Um, and I think, you know, again, like we were alluding to, it always varies based on what the goal is. If you've got someone who's you know, restricted tight and that's the reason that they're not getting to where they need to get, you explain to them about why we're doing it for a longer period of time. But if you've got someone who, you know, maybe um, has quad inhibition or scap dyskinesia and you're trying to target a certain area, you explain to them, hey, I want this to be on really, really quick before you exercise. And then later in the day when you're done, sure, go to town with it. You know, if you want to roll it on your quads for, you know, two, three, four, five minutes, go for it. But before you exercise, I need you to do it just for 15, 20 seconds. And if you want to know why, I'll explain to you why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds like something like people are probably going to be messing with this anyway. Right. I've got friends who are like, yeah, but one of those guns, dude, I've uh, been using it for two months. And now they're asking me about it as their buddy or their friend or, you know, yeah, your PT, you know, some stuff about this. It sounds like by pretending that this is so specialized, like only PT, you shouldn't even be having this. We, we're past that. Like we're past that. This is something that they're seeing on the sidelines behind benches at NFL games. You're seeing the hyper ice products there. Listen, you know, cats out of the bag. Let's be Yoda here. Let's show people like, listen, you've already bought your lightsaber, right? That's really what the hyper ice, by the way, I live, I, I, uh, uh, the local athletic trainer at my old high school, uh, she pulled it out the other day. She said, check out what I got. And she had the hyper ice mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I ever actually picked the new one up in person. It feels beefy. Like it, like yeah. when you see them online on, on Amazon or whatever, they all kind of look the same. And I've, I've held a few. And then mm -hmm. this one from like, feels like I could hammer nails with it. Like it feels like I could like it really <laughs> packed, and it, it packed a punch, not you know, in, mm -hmm. in terms of, mm -hmm. but how, how much are you using it in treatment with someone and how do you, and also how do you bring it in? Like, you know, when do you bring it in early and often or when you think, or when you get stuck, where, where is it for you? Yeah, I think, I think it's kind of like anything, right? When do you bring in anything? You know, I, I'm, I'm one who likes to, use my hands and likes to sort of see how someone will respond before a secondary supplementation needs to be brought in. But also I, I know when it's beneficial. Um, yeah. You know, if someone can't really handle manual pressure, I might use that first just to introduce them to what hands-on therapy is or to what huh. stimulus to their muscle is, get them to calm down, get them to relax. And now I can kind of get into, you know, a deeper layer of tissue, right? I can sort of, if I've got a, um, an ACL that's maybe stiff in their quad, you know, do it on their quad for about a minute, two minutes, maybe even give it to them for someone who's now in control, right? A lot of the times people have this fear of being, you know, touched or manipulated or whatever that may be. If you give this to them, they're in control, they apply the pressure, they find their spots, they relax themselves. Now you can sort of intervene. Um, and then there's the flip side where I like using it pretty early on in my post-op um, ACL, where I'll actually combine it with biofeedback. And what we've seen is we get sort of an increased muscle recruitment in the quad when you sort of add that high frequency stimulation to quad activation. So I like to alternate sometimes where I'm using NMES in one session, and then maybe mechanical stimulation with active terminal knee extension in the next. So I want them to sort of 
you know, not become reliant on this NMES that we're used to using early on with like a quad set or a straight leg raise. Now what I'll do is as they straight leg raise, go quickly up the quad as they do it and then let them sort of relax down because that's only going to be about that five second period. You brought up something that I hadn't thought about before. And I love when that happens in the middle of an episode. You're like in, in terms of empowerment, because uh, you mentioned like post ACL or post surgical. Um, some people can't wait and they'll, you know, they, they can't wait to do everything. And some people are, and I've seen, I know people, you know, personally, my personal life like this, ah, you can't, yeah, and, and they're sort of like, they're, they're, they're nervous as they should be. They probably just had a surgery. Maybe it was the first time in their life. Right. I don't know how they were educated before that surgery. And what you're doing is quite literally is you're being a little bit more aggressive away from the surgical site, obviously. Right. You're talking about on the quad. And that's what made me th think about that. It's like, Hey, your body's robust. I, we can do some stuff up here, and this is what I'm trying to activate. Uh, made me think of like, oh yeah, there's a there's a good maybe non non direct way of saying or showing. Look at what look at what you we we can do. We can be you know we can be a little more aggressive here in this way, and that's a good on ramp to like now we can be more aggressive because some people do have the e break on post post surgically. Mm -hmm. Yep. Some you've got to hit the gas for and the others you're hitting the emergency brake. And it's, it's always fun when they come in at the same time and yeah. you're telling one, no, no, no everything's going to break, slow down. And the other one, no, 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 you're in, you're indestructible. Go, go, go. And it's always right. funny. You got to like whisper one way and whisper the other way. But um, always yeah, I think I, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think it's like you say, it's, it's more about that empowerment, right? So kind of showing yeah. them what they can do and uh, just another way to introduce, you know, hands-on and just even touch. And I love the fact that you, you said, I'll do it. And then sometimes I'll have them do it. It's like, see one, do one, uh, see one, do one, teach one. Right. So it's like, I'm doing it. I'm the PT, right? I know exactly what, what to do and where to do it. But by the way, this is your body. And I want you to be mm -hmm. doing this because I want you to be doing lots and lots of things for the other 167 hours per week. You're, you're going to be alone with this leg or whatever you happen to be using it. So we're going to teach you if you want to use this tool. Uh, do you have a holster for your hyperice gut? Because I feel like I looked on the website. They don't sell holsters, but mm -hmm. I feel like that could be a badass accessory. You're like, hang on a second. Yeah, I'm a big back pocket guy. So I've always got a goniometer in one back pocket. And that's mainly due to being scarred from Kevin yelling at me for not having a goniometer in my back pocket. But um, we'll leave it to that. And then uh, you know, I try to I try to keep the other one free, but it's it's always tape measure in, in one pocket, goniometer in another. And I might have to start to to speak to Eric about designing some sort of holster for like a, uh, like a quick release. Yeah. yeah. Like a really I, I, where is it there it is yeah uh, and it's funny so so we're still in masks in my clinic and you know if i'm working on a patient and i try to you know indicate to an aide or an athletic trainer across the room that i actually want it i just do this and i kind of just make a motion and it, it's funny they've sort of um picked up on you know this obviously means here but this sort of means you know gun or i need the, i need the gun bring it over here so a holster would definitely uh, come in handy <laughs> Uh, when they do that, I just want, I just wanted one for free since it was, uh, sort of our idea mm -hmm. on the show. So when Erica yep. gets yep. the hyperized holster I, and, and that's when you know you're at a busy clinic when you have to Good wear name a, double, too. a double holster. That's mm -hmm. when you know you're hyperized holster. Exactly. I like it. Holster because you can't be far away. From it. Um, so, yeah. so your fellowship, we touched on that at the top of the show, working so closely with, 
with with people across disciplines, we talk about that a lot. That had to be like just a really great immersive experience because now you're not just doing a PT thing. You're embedded like you are you know, beyond neck deep, beyond ears deep. You're, you're all the way in. Um, what what what's something maybe you picked up from there that you really try to impress upon people? Because now you saw like I don't want to say the other side, but you saw how other people view things, which is so tremendously valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I'm if I'm understanding what you mean in terms of um, you know how do you remain immersive with physicians? Well, what did you get out of that experience? And then also, gotcha. yeah, how do you remain immersive because for, because you had that experience as a fellowship, mm-hmm. and now you're in a different setting. And there's always like, what are good ways to communicate, right? A lot of times people get nervous about not doing it because they don't know how they think, well, maybe I'm not doing the right way. I got news for you as a guy's communication, not doing it is definitely the wrong way. So, so let's start with your experience. What'd you gain out of that being so immersed with, with surgeons? So, you know, what I gained is that I was very fortunate that the surgeons that I did learn from are extremely pro PT. Um, in the sense of we were one floor below them. There'd be times where you could just walk upstairs and ask a quick question. You can call upstairs and ask the question. They may, be, they may even just come downstairs and do the two-week follow-up right there in PT. Save the person the time from setting up two separate appointments. Hey, you're in PT right now. We'll come downstairs. We'll knock out the follow-up. We'll take sutures out. We'll do what we got to do. But it creates that buy-in effect, right? You have a physician that comes down into PT with the patient there and like, hey, How's everything going? You know, you're in good hands, this, that, and the other. And it's it's really just such a nice immersive experience where the patient just builds so much confidence. You know, a patient always has so much confidence in their surgeon. And it's almost like this weird, you know, you get them after surgery. They're already on edge. Why am I going to trust you? Who are you? I know my doctor. I met him. I met him already. He did my surgery. Now you're going to take care of me and get me back. So it, it's kind of weird. Um, so what was cool is I got to sit in on a couple of, you know, their consults preoperative and then, you know, obviously postoperative. And I'm a little bit spoiled in the situation I'm in now where our two primary sports physicians are also fellows of the Andrews Institute. So we have a very similar setup um, where I work extremely closely with the physicians in my practice. Um, if I need to go to the bathroom, I have to pass their office. So it's a, you know, a, Hey, how are you? Or if I go to get my lunch. So we're very, very close where I'm at now also. And we've sort of started to integrate that too, where at least once a week I shadow or kind of sit in on with one of the physicians, um, during his clinical day where he's in the office that I treat out of. And what that allows me to do is, you know, keep up with his visualization of MRIs and his decision-making on whether something's non-operative or an operative route. And, um, you know, even meet patients where he's like, Hey, you know, this could go operative, but why don't we try out non-op, you know, Lewis right here, he's right next door. He'll take care of you. If you ever have a question, I'm next door and we can kind of bounce, um, from there. So, so just having that interdisciplinary action is so key. And then I think to then, um, you know, add on that second point of how you maintain that relationship, realize physicians are humans. Um, just like me and you here, we have conversations, we drink beer, we drink alcohol, we hang out. But at the end of the day, if you're going to ask them a question, I think you have to ask them in terms of where their expertise is. And what I find often is that a PT will go up to a physician and sort of ask them about a rehab protocol or something, maybe what can I do in rehab or not? And I think you have to premise that of, you know, what surgically 
causes my rehab protocol to change versus can I bend their knee to 90 degrees or not? Maybe be like, hey, you know, how was the chondral surface or how was the fixation of that repair that would maybe prevent me from bending it to 90 degrees? So integrating what they like to sort of talk about or what they understand more into how that affects what you do in the treatment is a better way to broach the situation. At least that's what I've found. That's a really good, I mean, that's a really, that's a, that's such a great perspective. Um, mm-hmm. And as a guy who loves communication, all I hear you saying is talk to them in their words about the things from their perspective. And then you can translate that to your perspective, to, to, to what exactly. you're, what you get out of that. You, right. Me asking, you know, me asking a surgeon a PT question is the wrong way to do it. What you're saying is ask right. them what they saw. Tell me, explain to me what you saw or how does that feel to you? And then you have to right. then synthesize that information. They're not going to spoon feed you the answer. They're going to give you the, they're going to give you the parts that you now as a profession professional need to decipher that. That's a really, I don't think I've heard anybody say it quite like that. And that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. And I think, I think what that's going to do is that's going to show the physician that you have interest um, as well. And what it's going to get you to do is go down a rabbit hole of, you know, understanding surgical procedures. And I think if you understand the surgical procedure, you're going to understand your rehab process way more in depth and, and way, way better, which just gonna, and, and like you say, you know, speak in their language and then translate on your own. Cause if you ask them a question about PT, they're going to be like, well, he really doesn't really know, know what they're doing in PT, right. you know, like why is the PT asking me a PT question? So yeah, and you can ask them like, "Hey, so I'm thinking about how long we delay knee flexion." So let me, and so that just that sets the stage, right? So from your perspective, what did you see there? And then I'm gonna then I'm gonna base my judgment on that. Is a better way of saying it's a better way of saying it because it's showing thought process, and that's really what you're trying mm-hmm. to do with the relationship. Is like, hey, I respect you. You know some things I don't. You see th- some things I don't. I'm trying to make a, a professional uh, assessment here or 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 a plan. And I need some of your input. I would be my plan would be better with it. And that's what you're saying. You're not just asking them to give you the answer, which is never the right way. Exactly. I tried an author PT school. My damn professors would never give me the answer. They just <laughs> exactly. they had a think. Damn it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So take take what you learn there and continue continue processing your thoughts. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. Uh, what's exciting you? We talked a little bit about the research in a fun way, which was actually just talking about what you took from it. What, where do you think things are going in terms of, we'll stick with percussion since that's what we're talking about uh, today. Mm-hmm. What are some, where, where do you think this could go, right? Because I mean, as you, as we mentioned, percussion feels like it didn't exist. The next thing you know, it's everywhere. Uh, yeah. You obviously use it in your practice. You're seeing, you see good results with it. People enjoy it. People are probably not going to stop buying these things because they, I mean, I mean, secret, they do feel really good. They, you know, they feel good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, where, where's this, where's this going to go? You know, it's uh, it's what, so what now, what, what, what could possibly be on the horizon combining with other modalities or where do you see it going? Yeah. Yeah. So I think what needs to be explored more is the performance aspect of it. You know, how do these things, how can they increase our strength? How can they increase muscle activation? We know that it feels good. We know that it can increase range of motion. We know that it can calm soft tissue down. Let's explore how we can get people actively better, Right. Let's see how we can get someone to jump higher, run faster, cut harder with the use of these things compared to without the use or, you know, 
quick use versus no use. You know, take the same athlete and have them do a counter movement jump and then have them do quick vibration and then do another counter movement jump and see what actually what actually changed and see, um, you know, spoiler, that's a little bit in some of the research where they did that. But I think seeing it for yourself and seeing more and then teaching people, you know, before they get out to play, hey, you're going to be stronger, faster, quicker, etc. Use this thing when you're outside of my my care when you get back to your sport. And uh, like you say, you know, they come in at whatever percentage and you make them leave feeling a bit better um, and then teaching them when they go to sport, you know, maybe they came to you and they were, let's just say they were playing basketball or whatever. And, you know, before their injury, they were jumping X height. They go back and their expectation is not to be jumping that height. It's their first time playing, but you teach them how to use these things and they're back to their baseline, which to them means, okay, I took a step back. I'm already at baseline. I'm way ahead of the curve. Right. Um, so, so like you say, where can we kind of go with this? Truthfully, nowhere. It's everywhere. But if we had to go somewhere, I think it's more that performance route. Yeah, I think that, I think you're going to see that. I think the low hanging fruit is being covered. I think where are we going to go next is is along that more spec the more specified rabbit hole. Uh, are you ready to do three questions? We got three questions. Is a thing we do on the show. You ready? Let's do it. All right, three questions on the program brought to you by our friends at Jackson Therapy Partners, providing awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going. Uh, travel physical therapy. Find them online at jacksontherapy.com. Uh, where is somewhere the audience sh could go to find out more? I know they could dive into the research, but are there other places? Like, where would you send someone if they're like, hey, this sounded pretty interesting. I'd like to figure out where how long duration or frequency or anything, where would you send someone? Is there a good resource that you'd start someone off like a one-on-one guide? Um, I believe that Hyperice has a couple uh, articles on their website. Mm -hmm. I think if you, if you go into PubMed as well and you type hyper Hyperice or hyper vault or percussion therapy, you will find a couple uh, articles kind of right in that keyword search. So I would say either, um, you know, Hyperice's website or PubMed and with a keyword search of Hyperize Hypervolt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, listen, if you're going to sell the product and you you are you want to be involved in the research to show the benefits of the product, it's a pretty smart place to be. Mm -hmm. In terms of research, let's go for the people who are on the skeptical end. I like those people. They're skeptical. They're hard to, they're hard to impress. Uh, mm -hmm. What is some of the research that you said uh, that you took a look at? Are there any articles or authors that specify or, you know, uh, specialized in this that you say, Hey, this, this is a pretty well done piece of research. Yeah. I looked at Tilp et al in the journal of sports science and med in 2020, they did a good study with regards to percussive massage therapy with the hypervolt, um, by hyperice. And they found, you know, um, increase in range of motion and an increase in maximum voluntary contraction for the plantar flexors. So if someone's got like an ankle sprain or acute sprain or something of that sorts, um, that one was pretty good for the calf. And then additionally, Garcia et al. in the International Journal of Environmental Research Public Health, probably not the best journal that I would like, but in 2021, they had people use it for the upper body before bench pressing. And what they found was that muscle endurance and number of repetitions during sets increase. So, 
you know, you do one set of bench press, you use it on your pecs for about 15 seconds in between sets and you can get it, you can get right back to it and sort of bang out a couple more reps. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two examples or, or at least one example of the performance aspect in terms of an ankle sprain, the rehab aspect. So a lot of different directions. Mm -hmm. Do we know everything yet? No, a lot of different directions to go. Third question on three questions. This is more of a, uh, like a, like a, so what, right? Another PT. Why should people care about using percussion in clinical practice? Why, why should they care? Why should they at least consider it or be curious about it? Because your patients are using it, whether you want them to or not. <laughs> Simple as. So you got to be, you know, you've got to be understanding, you know, it's like anything, you know, why do we, why do we teach static and dynamic stretching to individuals? Shouldn't they know that already? Well, maybe not. So it's the same thing in, in this front. I just think it's right behind the eight ball, you know, versus stretching. So kind of just be in front use of things and be able to teach them. Yeah, they're using Dr. Google anyway. So bingo. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> All right, that's three questions again brought to you by our friends at Jackson Therapy Partners, jacksontherapy.com. Last thing we do on the show is the parting show. All right, the parting shot brought to you by our friends, the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Leaders in orthopedic physical therapy, they are the Academy of Orthopedic PT. Find them online at orthopt.org. Now at Current Concepts of Orthopedic PT, their fifth edition. Great resource. I, I call it a, uh, a great roadmap. Wherever you are in your career, if you want to take that OCS exam, feel confident and competent with the leaders in orthopedic PT and look them online orthopt.org. All right, parting shot, Lewis, no pressure or anything. You get to be prolific. I feel like you sum things up pretty well, but what would you want to leave the audience uh, with as we wrap up today's episode? I think when it comes to modalities, whether it be percussion, vibration, I think one, you've got to try it yourself. And two, you've got to believe what your patients tell you, right? You have to um, not be a skeptic when it comes to um, what they tell you because placebo goes a long way. And, you know, my, my mantra is always make them feel better when they leave as compared to when they came in. So I think in conjunction with those two things, you're going to have success and you're going to get people coming back to your clinic to seek you out for, for specific treatment. I like what you said there. When you said, don't be a skeptic, I got real nervous. Cause I was like, man, I think we should be really skeptical, but you said, don't be skeptical about what they're telling you. I like that. Like, listen to Listen, they're telling you that, then you you need to go that way, right? I mean, you can ask questions and you can be you can push back or try to understand, but but be you know, don't be skeptical about what they're telling you. I love that. Uh, thanks for 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 diving in on this. I think this is something that we as PTs too sort of overlook. Either we poo-poo it because you're like, ah, we didn't learn about that or there's no research, or we just say, Yeah, have at it and you know, grip it and rip it, do whatever. And I think the answer typically, as we as we talked about this episode, the answer usually lies in the middle. But uh, be, be, be forewarned is forearmed. So, uh, Lewis, appreciate your time digging into this with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, they say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming to ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced, 
post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com. 